0: Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belisle, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. Today I have with me in the studio the owner of Aristelle in Portland, Ashley Tucci.
1: Thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So I know that one of the reasons we um, wanted to have you come on the show is that art is important to the work that you do with Mm -hmm. Aristelle, but that you also in particular are a fan of one of our artists, Mm -hmm. Andrew Faulkner.
1: Yes. I'm a fan of a lot of your artists, but yes, I do have a beautiful piece hanging in my store by Mr. Faulkner. I'm very grateful for it. (laughs) And he happens to be a a California guy, but but we like him still. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We can accept him. (laughs)
0: Yes. Andrew, if you're watching this, we actually really like you a lot. So, you know, the California (laughs) thing aside. But this piece really, um, I know this is not the piece you have Mm. hanging in your store, but Andrew does do a lot of work that Um, have oceans in them and things that kind of remind us of Maine anyway.
1: Maybe it's the coastal vibe. Mm, I agree. In fact, the piece that's hanging in the store reminds me a little bit of what we see here on Little John with the little boats out by the dock. And in fact, that's what I thought it was at first. Um, But I think his piece fits in my space because of his use of color Um, and because we are along the coast here and people are drawn to Portland for that reason. Um, But color is back in a big way in fashion this season following the pandemic. And so it was really great to have have this beautiful burst of color along with all of the new inventory that that I have this this spring so it was perfect timing and a perfect fit. So that's,
0: that's interesting. Um, so before the pandemic, were we not into color
1: for lingerie, which I know that is what Aristotle is, is Correct. lingerie. Correct. Yes, that is what we do. Um, you know, color was probably, um, but I think I have a bit of tunnel vision when it comes to the pandemic because I had just taken over the business. And so I had very little experience going into the pandemic. Pandemic was a bit of uh, an eye-opening experience, um, and I played it safe. I was doing a lot of neutrals and a lot of bakes basics, and just kind of trying to survive. Um, but now color is back, and it's in demand, and it's super fun to see women exploring color and and seeing their eyes light up at what we've brought in for them. And so many women have commented to me that. I've curated a collection that meets so many different needs, whether it's their basics or their use of color or our loungewear and our sleepwear. So it's fun to hear that feedback and know that I'm providing for women in a variety of ways. Um, But yeah, definitely color um, color is is back and we're all very excited about it.
0: So that so that brings up something that I find very interesting that most people think about lingerie as being maybe something that most people don't see. A mm-hmm. few people see mm-hmm. in a person's life, but not a large number of people. But if you're talking about loungewear and mm-hmm. sleepwear, then probably there are more people that actually get a chance to see that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, really what I strive to to do with the store, what my mission is is to help redefine the word lingerie. I think our society has created this definition around the word lingerie. And what I try and do with Aristotle is make it so that women feel more comfortable exploring, shopping for, and enjoying lingerie for what it truly is. And it's just like art, it's subjective. Every woman has different needs, and I'm trying to meet those needs, whether it's a really great basic for someone who struggles to find something comfortable in their size, or someone who wants to have a little bit of fun. And to be honest with you, I saw both during the pandemic. I saw people staying home a lot, and they wanted to be comfortable, and being able to provide them those Zoom basics, if you will. were seeing themselves on this little screen and like, oh my gosh, I still need a really great bra. But then I also had a lot of women who were home and alone and they were exploring a different side of themselves that they had never had an opportunity or the time to explore before. So, you know, it was very interesting and a learning experience and a really great way for me to also connect with my customers and and meet their needs in a very interesting and um, curated way. So tell me how you did that during the pandemic. I mean, your store is
0: in Portland and mm-hmm. out of the Portland had some enforced shutdowns, yes. which probably impacted you and your business. Mm-hmm. How, how did you manage to keep having those connections with your
1: clients? The word I use is hustle. <laughs> it was a hustle. And I use social media. And that was my plan all along. I knew when I took over the business that there was a lot of room for growth and I knew that I needed to show up every day even though my door was locked to the public and show women what I had in those four walls and get it to them. I was mailing items every day. I was taking phone calls and emails. I was taking orders any way that I could. And I was also driving around and making deliveries to front porches so that people people could have a smile on their face. That very moment, you placed an order in an hour, I'd have it on your doorstep. Um, I I could do it, and it was what I wanted to do, and it really helped me form a deeper connection with my customers, and I think they got to see a little bit more of my personality, which has helped the store grow and thrive during a relatively challenging time for a small business. And so did you find that this helped you to build trust in a way with people? Absolutely, trust and rapport. Um, like I said, I, I I let a lot of people peek behind the curtain, if you will, and see a little bit more of my personality. Um, I was a little bit probably more vulnerable, and um, I actually during this time won some awards for my social media presence, which was kind of fun um, to be recognized by my industry leaders um, for my way of connecting with our customers and and. The, the one thing they said was my use of humor in breaking down that barrier was what allowed me to connect with a lot of people. And um, I, I, I'll, I'll use it all day long. Like, let's have fun you know? Um, and so that's what I did. I, I just tried to make it fun for people. And, um, I would do videos of myself and, you know, I would, I would mess up or say the wrong thing. And I'd put together these little blooper reels and it was a bit of, you know, self-deprecating, but women loved it. And, and, um, it was, like I said, my way of connecting with them and, and I enjoyed it as well. So tell me what kind of awards these were. So we have an industry organization called the Best of Intima, and we also have another organization called Curve, uh, and they run our trade shows and our markets and whatnot. And so both of the awards that I won were last summer um, in New York City, and they were both for my my Instagram and my social media presence. And uh, like I said, it's, it's a lot of fun to do it. It's a lot of work, um, and it was great to be recognized for that because as much as I love connecting with our customers at the store level, I also love reaching them when they can't come into the store, and I, I do that through social media. So it's been a lot of fun to do that. So what would you say your demographic is? My demographic is any woman who needs a bra. <laughs> But truthfully, it's, it's a broad demographic, but, you know, I do get young preteen girls as, as young as sometimes 11 and 12 um, to women who are visiting me from their retirement facility in their 80s and 90s. So I, I serve a wide range of needs, which I love. I get to come in contact with a variety of, of women at various stages of their life. I deal with women who are pregnant, who have just had a child. I deal with women who have recently had breast surgery um, whatever shape that takes. Um, and I just deal with women who are seeking comfort or want to have fun or are getting married. There's, there's always, there's something beyond my door for every woman that walks through it.
0: You grew up in Caribou, Mm -hmm. which is in Northern Maine, (laughs) about what, five hours, six hours away from here. And I think people who live in Maine know how far away Mm -hmm. Uh, Northern Maine is from Southern Maine. People who don't live in Maine sometimes are surprised to hear that it's almost like a different state, really. Yeah. How did you find yourself in this
1: part of the state? Oh, well, that's easy. <laughs> when you grow up in a small town like that, you you know, it's... um. You, you wait for the day that you can explore the rest of the world. And I think that's what I did, you know. Um, I came from a loving, wonderful family, um, all that, you know, grew up up there. Um, but I was ready to move away. And college obviously afforded me that opportunity as it does with, with um, most students. Um, and so I went to the University of Maine at Orono. I didn't go very far. Um, and then after college, I wanted to move farther away, but got as far as Portland. And then I met my husband and now here I am. Um, But yeah, growing up in Northern Maine and I I sort of made like the slow trek south from (laughs) Caribou to the Bangor area and now to Portland. And I will say that for as much as I've wanted to leave, I am so grateful that I live here because I love our life here. Do you still have
0: family up in Caribou?
1: I do. Uh, My grandparents are still alive. (laughs) They're well into their 90s. They're hanging on. Um, And I have an aunt that lives up there. Um, But most of the rest of my family has relocated south.
0: Are they surprised to know that you own Aristelle and deal with lingerie now?
1: You know, it's so funny. I, I think about this quite often. Um... Unfortunately, when I was young, my father passed away, but he was also a business owner and uh, he, he owned a sheet metal and roofing company. And so I joke that the sheet metal <laughs> entrepreneur's daughter now is a lingerie store owner. Um, and I hope he's chuckling as I say that. Um, so the entrepreneurship, the business ownership is kind of in my blood. Um, and to answer your very specific question, I think if you had even told me four or five years ago that I would own a women's lingerie boutique, I would have laughed at you.
0: Because you went in a different direction initially with your profession.
1: I did. I, I spent just about a decade in corporate America, um, software sales and financial services, and um, a really great line of work, especially at that stage of my life, you know, newly married, um, young child. Um, we were really just building our life. And um, it was it was a great experience for me to have. I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do long term. And so every day I'd, I'd wake up, I'd go to work, I'd give it my all. Um, I'd work really hard at it. But I was My mind was always somewhere else. My mind was always fishing for that idea or exploring some other avenue just to kind of see what doors might open if I put my mind to it.
0: So for you, it wasn't specifically the business. It was the idea that you wanted to do something that was yours. It wasn't specific to lingerie. It was, I would like to have my own thing that I am working on myself.
1: Correct. Correct. Um, being in sales, you become the face of that brand or that company, and I think there came a point where I was like, "I'm good at this, but I want to do it for myself." And I think that's one of the things that I enjoy the most about owning the store is building something. I really love the the behind-the-scenes work. I love working with the customers. Do not get me wrong. That fills my cup. But I very much enjoy the building of something, the brand, the growth, and putting ideas together and seeing what works. I think that sales is often thought of in a way that
0: maybe is not always entirely positive. And yet, when I think of sales, and I've said this on the show before, almost all of us are doing some sort of sales. Correct. <laughs> I mean, In medicine, I'm trying to sell people on the possibility of living a healthy life for many years. Correct. So why do you think that people have suspicion around the concept of sales?
1: I wish I knew the full answer to that question. But from my perspective, I think it comes down to authenticity. And I think in my prior life, in my corporate life, there are a lot of people who are inauthentic. And that was what I struggled with the most. Um, I was always about forming personal relationships and connections with the people that I served, because that's how I was going to gain their trust in their business and have a really mutually beneficial relationship. And that was the one thing that I learned was that if you are authentic and true to yourself, people will respect you. And I was very young when I started out in my career. And so I was dressed to the nines in the business attire and the the high heels and because I was young and I needed to be taken seriously. And one of the things that I learned through that was if you are authentic, people will want to do business with you and they will trust you. And so that's, What I think sales is missing, especially when we talk about corporate sales, is there's just this lack of authenticity. And I am able to, because the store is my business and your practice is your business, you are able to approach it with such authenticity that people can automatically be drawn to you and can connect with you. And and I think that's something that's very powerful.
0: So just before... We started talking Mm -hmm. on air. I learned that you are a a closet introvert. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> or and and my my husband said to me you know kind of an an extrovert by uh by profession by yes. training yes <laughs> so uh, I know what this feels like for me as being mm-hmm. someone that interacts mm-hmm. with the public on a regular basis mm-hmm. and the comfort that I have comfort level I have come to and what I have needed to do for myself tell me what that's looked like for you
1: yeah so people don't believe me when I tell them that I am an introvert in fact it's my husband that's more of the extrovert of the two of us And I am more of the introvert, but I can turn it on because, like I say, it's my moneymaker. So I know what I need to do. And I'm not that's not to, you know, say that it's not authentic. It it is, but I just become very tired very easily um, with constant social interaction. And so I go to work and I give it my all and I love what I do. But when it's time to come home and relax, the second I open that door and I slide my slippers on that's when I can let my guard down and breathe. And I like my alone time. I love solitude. I love being able to be with myself and collect my thoughts and prepare for the day or prepare for a restful night's sleep. I very much value that time.
0: And isn't that part of being authentic? Is that opportunity to connect with a deeper part of yourself Mm -hmm. and to continue to know yourself in a way that um, even if it's something that you're sharing with other people Mm -hmm. versus just keeping private, it's, it's that connection piece that really needs to happen on a regular basis.
1: Absolutely. I think we need to know ourselves on a deeper level before we can give of ourselves to other people, whether that's one person or a community of people.
0: So, when I also think about um, int- being introverted or extroverted, it's interesting that we've come to a broader acceptance of mm-hmm. people who are maybe introverted and just understanding that it doesn't mean that if you're introverted, you dislike other people. right. It's just where <laughs> you get
1: your energy from. exactly. exactly. and And I would mirror that statement. I, I get my energy. I, I do get my energy from social situations, but I also recharge when I'm alone.
0: So until a few years ago, when I think it was Susan Cain came out about uh, introverts the bo- in the book that she wrote, I think it seemed as though it was maybe not as well accepted. And it's been interesting for me to watch that people who are introverts um, have come out—I don't know—want to say come out ahead, but during the pandemic. That's that's what there was, is yes. that everybody kind of had to go inside themselves yes. to some big extent. Yes. So I think there was a group of us who were like, well, this pandemic
1: is terrible. And also, I'm okay with staying home for a little bit. Exactly, exactly. I think it was a good reset for all of us. I mean, we always have to look for the positive in a situation. And the pandemic, and it's still going on there it's you know, it hasn't been the most positive of situations. It's it's changed the world. It's changed our lives, no matter where we live, what our age is, what we're doing. But I think it was an opportunity for people to put the brakes on their pace of life. And hopefully, use that time wisely to maybe dive a little deeper into who they are and what it is that they want in life. I think that's why you've seen this sort of great resignation, if you will, with people reevaluating their choices in life. Um, I had already done that, <laughs> just so we're clear. I had already reevaluated that prior to the pandemic, um, which was why I chose business ownership over climbing the corporate ladder. Um, but it was still an opportunity for me to take a step back and grow my business in a more efficient and uh, different manner. Um, I don't think the pandemic necessarily hurt me and my choice um, to be a business owner. In fact, I think it helped catapult me and the business um, when the doors were able to to be unlocked and reopened to everyone because I was able to, again, form a connection with my audience because they were home looking for a distraction from their kids, from their Zoom calls, from the laundry, from the four walls of their own home. And I was able to, you know, form that connection with them. I was able to get a slice of their attention where in a normal world, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. How did
0: your daughter do during the pandemic?
1: She did great, I have to say. Now, I am not a teacher and neither is my husband, but he's far more patient than I am. And so together we were able to create an environment for her to continue her studies at home. Um, She was in fourth grade at the time. Um, So not an easy age, but she is an only child. And so it it wasn't as if we had taken like her entire world away from her. We were just, you know, home a little bit more, party of three. So she did She did well. And I would say that like most parents, we had to give into the use of technology a little bit more than we would have liked. But it was her way of connecting with her peers. And she was at that age of learning how to be social and form those relationships. And so like everyone, kids included, we were all just doing the best that we could given the circumstances.
0: And I know we're hearing a lot in the news these days about uh, mental well-being, particularly when it comes to children. And it's something that I think about myself as a parent of older children, but I'm guessing that as the parent of someone who is in the middle school range, you probably think quite a bit about it as well.
1: I think about it for all ages. Um, In fact, I do a newsletter with the store every Saturday morning, and um, it's Way for me to highlight new inventory, but it's also become a a space for me to share what's on my mind and my heart for that particular week. And it's kind of become a thing that people comment on that they enjoy my message. But this week I did write about mental health because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I think our mental health is so important and often overlooked as it relates to our physical health. Um, So I very much am I'm open with my daughter about when she wants to talk about things or when she needs to talk about things, and I try to come, I, I try to approach it from a very gentle, sort of non-threatening manner, if you will, and just let her know that I'm here, and if she doesn't want to talk to me, her father's there, or her nanny, who is my mom that she's very close with, that she'll always have someone no matter what her needs are. But I do think it's really important because I think that you, the pandemic stripped away so much from our social lives and it had a different impact on a variety of people. And I think the pandemic itself, not to keep saying that word, it um, it highlighted or it exacerbated the issues that we're already facing. Our mental health care system, and if you're not equipped to be able to be there for your child, you needed to be able to call on someone that could, and not all parents had those resources, and not all adults had those resources for themselves. So I do value mental health quite a bit. You know, I, having lost my father at a very young age, I went through my mental health struggles in my late teens and early 20s. And I think that admitting to that and talking about it and sharing your story is what I wish more people would do, that they would normalize their struggles, just like a case of the sniffles. And I think that we could help not only younger generations, but our peers and older generations in doing that as well.
0: So when I hear you talking about losing your father, and and it sounds like you lost your father when you were a teenager?
1: Yep, just on the cusp of being a teenager. So really, really young. Yes.
0: I mean, that has such a huge impact mm-hmm. on on a life and one that I'm... I'm hoping that not that many kids that age have to struggle with. Did did it feel very alone for you at the time, or did you feel like you had the supports that you needed? I
1: definitely had the support that I needed. I had a very wonderful family. I do have a very wonderful family, and um, we all rallied around each other. But it's very hard to go through something like that and not have residual trauma, if you will. Um and so it's something that I have dealt with from the time it happened and I'll continue to deal with until I take my last breath. But it's it's something that I use to my advantage to help other people because we'll all go through something traumatic in this life whether we lose a loved one, whether we become gravely ill, whether we are victim of an accident or or Even in today's world, a mass casualty event, like we're all going to experience and be witness to trauma. And so we need to be a little bit more open about our struggles and normalize it, just like we normalize when we have a physical ailment. Because the pandemic taught us that when we stay silent and we just rely on ourselves and we don't share our stories and our pain, the impact can be far more devastating. And um, so I'm, I'm a big advocate of sharing our stories and being vulnerable, and I guess that goes along with the authenticity piece as well.
0: Well, I know that my intersection with Aristel had that kind of a flavor because, um, and and I've also told this story before, but not for a little while. Um, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I had a bilateral mastectomy, I went into Aristel once things had been reconstructed and I had healed enough. And I was a completely different person. At least one part of my body was, and even but mentally and emotionally. And so the people that were helping me with my purchases then, and I mean, in in a small way, it was just lingerie because I no longer had things that fit the same that they once did. But in a bigger way, it was um, kind of meeting me at the place of my new identity. And I think that what you do with lingerie or loungewear or sleepwear, I mean, you really are meeting people at a very vulnerable place because we hold so much of our stories in our bodies, whether we understand that or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. And that's why our tagline is love what's underneath. And it's its more than just our physical bodies. It's everything. It's every layer to our being. And you know like i said i work with women from a variety of of walks of life and circumstances and and it's it's the second they walk through that door greeting them with a smile and welcoming them in and sharing with them what it is that we do and then we provide a one-on-one service so we work with women one-on-one and our goal is to first gain their trust, you know, build that rapport and gain their trust. And we have women that will come to us and they'll be very shy. They'll feel like they don't belong. They'll feel um, vulnerable and shy. And in my my mind, I will sort of chuckle to myself because I'll be like, we're going to be best friends by the time this is over. And sure enough, you know, that's the case, you know, where we are helping women see themselves in a whole new way. And it's not just the reflection that they see staring back at them in the mirror. It's appreciating their bodies f- for where they are right now, not where they were, not where they want them to be. It's accepting our whole selves in that moment and allowing women the space to feel safe and comfortable and beautiful. And I don't have to make a dime doing that because to see a woman's smile and to watch her walk out that store with a bag full of goodies, feeling on top of the world, I, I can die a happy woman with that feeling. It's so fulfilling. I feel very grateful to be able to do what I do. And I think some people say, well, it's just an underwear store. It's not. It is far more than that. And I take it very seriously, obviously.
0: <laughs> well, I can tell. And, and that's good. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're describing also is that, I mean, you're only in the place that you're in for a very brief period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you maybe you'll have one set of lingerie that fits at this mm-hmm. moment and maybe for a couple of years. But you're, you know, maybe you'll have a baby. Yeah. Maybe you'll nurse that baby mm-hmm. maybe you'll go through cancer i mean yeah. there are so, so many things that cause the body to change over time and i think that one of the things that happens as as you go through changes is that some people go through almost a, a grieving a grieving mm-hmm. of what once was that yeah. will never return so i think that sensitivity is very important
1: yeah yes and all women have their struggles no matter what their lives look like we all struggle with something related to our body at one point or another and what i hope that we achieve every time someone comes into our fitting room area is just giving them the space space to take a deep breath and relax and enjoy the moment and we make it fun i promise we make it fun and when i say that we we share jokes and we laugh and we hug we've cried I mean, before the pandemic, it was like I was hugging women left and right. And then when the pandemic hit, it was like asking permission, can I hug you right now? Like, <laughs> But forming those connections is just awesome. And, and myself and each one of my staff members takes that very seriously. And I don't just hire anyone to work at the store. I have to be able to trust them to build that rapport and make that connection with the women just like I do. Because it's an extension of me. And... Myself and each one of the women that work for me are amazing women in their own right, and they do a fantastic job.
0: So that's an interesting um, consideration that we we have had the great resignation, I Mm -hmm. think, My sense is having my responsibility now is hiring doctors, nurse Mm -hmm. practitioners, and physician assistants for our health system. Mm -hmm. My sense is that the tide has started to turn and that people who have reevaluated their lives or evaluated their lives are actually consciously making a decision to go into medicine Did you see something similar with your business, that people made a conscious decision to gravitate towards Aristel and to become part of the work that
1: you are doing? I wish a little bit more. (laughs) All small businesses these days will tell you that they are short-staffed, and my store is no exception. Um, But I will say that the women that do work with me and that do apply to work at the store, they love what it is that we do, and they've they've seen us and know what we're all about, and they want to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, the small business thing I find really fascinating too, because having been a small business mm-hmm. owner and also having worked in a more car- corporate structure, I think that there's a lot of interesting trade-offs. Mm-hmm. When I own my own business and my own medical practice, I made my own decisions. I also, for many months, even years, didn't pay myself. So, <laughs> so you're you're definitely yeah. uh, there's a little bit of a, a leaping into
1: the void. Yes. Oh, yes. Working really, really hard. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, I'm a little risk averse. So the fact that I even own my own business is quite laughable in some respect. Before I took over the business, I was petrified. I was like, well, what am I doing? It ended up being the best decision of my life to, to this point. But it is it is not easy. Um, and I, I make it fun because that's the choice that I have. That's the opportunity that I have. But I thought I worked a lot when I was in corporate. Mm-hmm no, no, the joke's on me because I actually work more now, <laughs> but, but I don't necessarily call it work all the time. And, um, I do I obviously very obvious love what I do. And I also love that my daughter gets to see me devote myself to my work as well, but, um, it's 24 seven and I don't know if I would trade it though. I really don't. It's exhausting, but it's my purpose.
0: Well, I think that that's the other interesting thing that I've observed is I have seen people go in and out of owning their own businesses and I will hear, well, I don't want to work as hard. I don't want to work for the man, whoever the man is. I don't even know if it's a man anymore, but whoever. Um, And then when they get out into the world and own their own business, they realize, oh my goodness, I am working harder than I ever worked for somebody else. And then they kind of make a decision. All right, this, this is right for me or this isn't right for me. But it is, it's a huge risk because it's you personally putting your name on the line and your need to check your emails at night Mm -hmm. and be the one with the brown bag full of goodies to drop off at the step during Mm -hmm. COVID. I mean, that just requires so much energy.
1: It does. And I think when we go back to the whole introvert extrovert thing, that's where I've created boundaries in my life. You know, I've done over the years, I've done a lot of personal growth and development on myself and I know what I need and I know- What I don't need. And so I've been able to create boundaries around my life so that I can preserve my energy for the times that it matters. And I joke that I'm the CEO, COO, CMO, and CFO. (laughs) I do everything, but I'm also a little bit of a control freak like that. So I don't mind it. Um, It kind of goes back to the saying, you know, if you want something done, you might as well do it yourself. I have a hard time delegating and I have a hard time asking for help, although I'm getting better at it. But It's manageable for me because I love what I do so much. And I really truly am still in those early stages. You know, I've really owned the store for just shy of three years. And when we talk about, you know, the spectrum of business ownership, I'm still an infant. So I don't mind doing all of these things. Um, But I'm getting better at delegating, which I think is important for all of us for my survival.
0: So, you told me at the beginning of the show that color is one of the things that is, is coming into the industry. Are, are you noticing other trends? Are there other things that you think are maybe a reflection of a cultural shift that's occurring?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that people are starting to get out a little bit more. Um, and I think that people want to shop for nice things again. They want to, because for so long we were told we can't you know people don't like being told they can't do something or or can't go somewhere or can't wear something and so this constant barrage of no and can't has now been replaced with we're just I'm, we're going to go and do because we lived for so long two years with the nos and the can'ts um so we see a lot of people coming in and being like all right I'll take it it's in my size it looks great do I need it I don't know but I love it so yes And I think that goes along with, you know, the lingerie and the sleepwear and the loungewear. And I think it just goes in general with any small retail business. You know, people are willing to, we we saw through the pandemic with with, um, outdoor goods, you know, bicycles and kayaks and paddle boards and things that people could do that were socially distant. You know, those industries thrived. And I think, in some respect, there's there's a part of of my business and what I do in the in the women's retail space that is thriving as a result of that as well because no one tells a woman no. <laughs> so this
0: brings up, um, not exactly related, but you brought up the outdoor industry, mm-hmm. and do you think people would be surprised to know that you are an avid cyclist? <laughs> if
1: they know me, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I like I said before, I love Maine. Um, it's a playground for myself and my family. We, uh, we love to get outside and take full advantage of the four seasons, including winter. We're big skiers. But my, my passion is, is riding, is cycling. Um, and I'm usually wearing bright, flashy colors and trying to go as fast as I can. <laughs> but uh, my time on the bike is, is my one-on-one time with myself. It's my daily conference call. It's my daily Zoom meeting. It's my therapy. It's a time for me to not be a mom, not be a wife, not be a business owner, to just be Ashley. And I value that time. Do you go by yourself? Do you go with a group? I do go by myself. I've been invited to go on group rides. And although fun, like I said, it's, it's my time to... Process my thoughts and be with myself. And sometimes I'll stop along the way, like here on Little John, and enjoy the view, and enjoy the water, and smell that salty air. There's nothing like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way you do about running, and I, I equally run with my husband and occasionally mm-hmm. other people. But I, I, it is a time to be kind of just solo and enjoying Mm -hmm. the outdoors, enjoying the woods. If you're, I mean, I think you're, you're a road cyclist. I'm a a road
1: cyclist. Yes, I do have a mountain bike and I, I do dabble in it, but, um, it actually scares me more than being on the road. Um, And I know there are dangers with riding on the road these days. And uh, I I have some technology in place to help me stay safe. But um, I have just this big fear of hitting a rock in the woods and taking a big digger and just breaking a lot of things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can't really blame you on that one.
1: (laughs) And there are wonderful mountain biking trails around here. Um, But I I just I love being on the road. And I, I think it's sort of an adrenaline rush for me, too.
0: So do you always make it up the hill that's outside of Every our studio? Every time. You do? Every that's time. That's so
1: impressive. <laughs> for, I can't say that I'm not cursing my way up that hill, but I make it up for sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. anybody who's ever cycled Little John Island knows yeah. that there are there are two hills, one yes. that's scary on the downhill yes. and one that's yes. challenging on the uphill. Yes. So that's very impressive that you make it up the hill that's actually right outside our house. Yeah.
1: But it's also a really beautiful ride. And so it makes it all worth it.
0: Yes, that's very true. Many things that are very difficult and feeling a lot more rewarding on the other side. absolutely. And that's what life's all about.
1: Yes. Um, Where can people find Aristelle? Well, you can find me at 92 Exchange Street. It's where we've always been located. We're open Monday through Thursday from 11 to 6 and Fridays and Saturdays 10 to 6. We're closed Sundays. We we all need a break. Um, And you can find us on the web, www.aristall.com or my Instagram page, which is Aristotle Portland. And that's probably where you'll get the most bang for your buck because you'll see all of our antics. You'll see all of the beautiful items that we have in store and...
0: And if they go into Aristelle in Portland, yes. then they can see our lovely Portland art yes. gallery artist yes. Andrew Faulkner's Oh, That piece. piece is
1: just so beautiful. I am so grateful that I get to show up every day and stare at it. It's it's going to be a sad day when it's when it's gone. And I hope that it's for you gone very soon. <laughs> I want someone to enjoy it other than me, but it's such a beautiful piece. And we recently renovated our fitting room area of the store and kind of brought it up to a um, a level that met our needs a little bit better. And it's just such a beautiful piece for people to to come into the store and see. And we get a lot of questions about it and a lot of compliments on it. And I tell everyone who the artist is and where they can find more information about it. Perfect.
0: Well, it's been a pleasure to talk with you today. Likewise. And I do encourage people to go find Ashley Tucci at her store, Aristelle in Portland, or find her on Instagram, where it sounds like she has a lot of good stuff happening. Maybe even sign up for your
1: newsletter. Yes, absolutely. Sign up for the newsletter, see what we're all about, and come give us a visit. See for yourself.
0: Very good. Well, thank you for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you. I've been speaking with Ashley Tucci, who is the owner of Aristel in Portland, and I encourage you to go see uh, her store, all of the wonderful things that she is selling, but also to go see Andrew Faulkner's piece on the wall of Aristel. It'll be a kind of a personal challenge to see how long she'll be able to hang on to that piece she's been fostering <laughs> for us. It's been a pleasure to speak with Ashley Tucci. I am Dr. Lisa Belial and this is Radio Maine. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you.